Okay, so I want to tell you a story. And this is a story about truthful living. So let's, um, so let's go to the, do we have the slides for, with a map? There's this French village called, uh, well, this French village called La, La Chabon. Chambon. I don't know French, but that's how I've heard it. Um, in this place, uh, this is um, a map from uh, when the Nazis overran into France. And what they did was they divided France, north and south, and they had someone who was a hero and a French hero kind of administrate the South. And he considered himself a collaborator with the Nazis. And uh, Le Chabon, this town, is quite a town filled with some pretty amazing people. It was, it's on a plateau up in the mountains. And uh, it's actually um, the first Huguenots, the Protestants, that was, that was that town. They, uh, they knew what it was like to be persecuted as they were persecuted by the Catholic French. Um, and they leaned into pa pacifism. And so uh, they're an unusual group um, in this time frame. Now, Hitler had proclaimed a thousand-year reign for the Third Reich. And uh, France fell in less than six weeks. So there were quite a few French who just went with the flow. Um, the Jews, though, began to come, uh, a few at a time at first, to La Chabon. And the townspeople didn't really ask for an explanation from them. Instead they would find ways that they could help these people. And uh, one, one uh, townsperson said, well, we just, uh, if we could help, we helped. So uh, one woman ran a boarding house and guests uh, were never turned away. Sometimes she and her husband would sleep on the floor so someone could have their bed. Um, when asked about it, next slide, she said, I helped because they needed help. The Bible says to feed the hungry, to visit the sick. It is the normal thing to do. So the community agreed. So the pastors and their pacifism, the, uh, the community uh, as they saw the Nazis, and they were mostly staying in northern France at this time, uh, the, the pastors um, talked to them about what stance were the townspeople going to make. And the community agreed with the pastors. That's the next slide. And this is what they agreed to. Duty of Christians is to resist the violence to bear on them with weapons of the spirit. We will resist whenever the adversary demands our obedience according to the orders of the gospel. We do so without fear, 
without pride, and also without hate. That's quite a commitment. So the Jews would mostly come at night, and uh, the Swiss actually set up three houses outside of Le Chabon. So there was all of this solidarity to take care of the people who were coming in, uh, in the dark. Um, so, let's see, I'm gonna keep going. Eventually though, the Nazis came to occupy the southern f France, and they came into Le Chabon. And so Le Chabon, um, let me see. Le Chabon um, had these two hotels and the Germans uh, had soldiers who needed to convalesce and they took over those two hotels and these soldiers were convalescing. It turns out that they were across the street from the French re uh, resistance headquarters. And then on the other side, the German headquarters were also close to the French resistance headquarters and they never knew that that building was the resistance. Now that building, the townspeople would leave the door open in the back of the building, would leave the door open so that during the night, whoever needed a place to sleep, they could just go in and help themselves and in the morning they would leave. And the Germans never knew that was going on just across the street from them. Um, there was also a 19-year-old kid came in who had learned how to forge documents. And apparently they were pretty good. And the Nazis heard about that there was this, this thing of forger, forgery stuff going on in Le Chabon. And they never did anything about it, even though they were there. It was like... It, somehow it just didn't stick. We need to deal with this. And then they also heard that there were quite a few that were using those documents to go to Switzerland and to escape. And uh, they still didn't s stop that. So um, it's like the Jewish uh, population were uh, couldn't be seen. It's like they were hidden. It's very interesting. One day, though, the Gestapo did show up. He just, this one Gestapo showed up, and he, uh, uh, um, how is it said? He deported two dozen uh, young men who lived in this house, and it was, a, it was like a boarding school, and just uh, deported them. Uh, and they arrested one guy, and he was one of the townsfolks. He wasn't a Jew, but he had dark hair, and they never believed that he wasn't a Jew. Uh, he's the one, the one person who died at the hands of the Nazis. And he, in his writing, talked about whatever happens, I know that this is where God has taken me. So, um, now the... The director for this film, it's from a, a documentary, his parents uh, found their way to Le Chabon, and he was born there, and this was in the 40s, and he came back in the 70s to do this documentary, and he asked the past, one of the pastors 
how would you summarize the Christian faith? And uh, the pastor said, Jesus did, did that when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary. In the end, the village, um, the village of 5,000 people, they asked, he asked the doctor in the village, and the doctor said, I'm the right one for you to ask because I was actually the 19-year-old that forged papers. <laughs> so I knew how many people had come and gone. And uh, they would forge during the day and they would uh, deliver the papers at night, in the middle of the night. And so in the, in the end, in that small village of 5,000 people, now, I was a farm kid and the t little town that I lived near was about 5,000 people. It was a small, small town. But the 5,000 people saved 5,000 Jews. So it's one to one. And uh, some actually stayed in hiding for the whole four years. And others passed as Gentiles to be able to go to Switzerland. Uh, throughout those four years, Jewish religious services uh, were held in Le Chabon. The townsfolk would make sure that they had everything they needed to maintain those that were Orthodox, to maintain the kosher household. Um, and so, why do I tell you this story? This is where this came from. When I read the Luke passage, after Jamin and I talked, I was like, I never saw this before. There are all these leaders clumped together, like layers and layers and layers and layers. And then you have John the Baptist uh, speaking truth out in the open. And that was amazing to me. I'd never thought about all the leaders who just didn't see. And then in one of my classes, we watched this documentary. And I thought, you know, our scripture was top heavy with those powerful leaders. And then I did some research. And Tiberius, um, Tiberius didn't want to be an emperor. And he actually sort of excused himself. But I don't know who became emperor uh, outside of that. And then uh, Pilate was a good friend of his. And he, we know Pilate. Pilate was not someone to make strong decisions. And then uh, Herod, now he, he could be very decisive. It's Herod Antipas, there were two Herods. Um, but he was all tangled up with a divorce and marrying this woman and a stepdaughter. And so uh, sometimes we think it matters because of leaders. But let's just read the last part with John the Baptist in mind. Let me read it again. As is written in the book of the word, words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads 
shall become straight, and the rough way smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John the Baptist chose to be outside or to resist the violence and power. He called people to God and to the coming of God's salvation. So here's my last slide, if, if it uh, is there. Yes, okay. So be a voice calling in the wilderness. Do that. John the Baptist, truthful living of how he was made to be and who he is was his truth, his truthful living. So I have a question for you. What does your truthful living look like? What does that look like for you? Hmm. And because it's not about power, which is what all the leaders in the story, you know, the Third Reich, that's what they were about is power. Um, what does, it's about love. That's what the pastor had said. It's all, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what does love look like for you? Those two things, to live a truthful life and to live uh, loving. Um, uh, I pray these things for all of us, including myself. So thank you for your time and uh, attention. Wow, you guys are very attentive. <laughs> so, um, Jamin? Sure, I'll be glad to. So God, it's, um, it's really hard when you're in a space that seems to be about power and strength and all these things pushing your way forward when it's really your world and your culture, your way is about uh, life, about love and truth. And God, I ask that you would grow us even more in awareness of the truth and awareness and awareness of uh, the love. Grow us in our own self-awareness to follow you and live in grace. Amen.